0: Welcome to the Megavision Show, episode 112. My name is Chris, and I'm the editor of Megavisions. This week, we're joined by Sam and Alicia. How's it going, guys?
1: Oh, it is going great. I've been busy, busy, busy lately. It's been it's been a very weird, but also just interesting time right now for me.
0: Oh yeah, tell us about it. What, what have you been up to? <clears throat>
1: Well, firstly, uh, last Friday felt like October for me because it was our special Friday the 13th show at the Haunt that I work at, um, Factory of Terror. Every ah, Friday, open it back up. hmm Every Friday the 13th, nice. even if it's January. So it was interesting doing a haunted house in January. It was a surprising turnout, though. We actually had like 1,300 people come, and that blew me away.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think children. it's
0: just a, it. It seems like we're in this. You know, a, we've been in it for a while, but just a a kind of resurgence of of interest in horror. Um, you know, culturally, I think, and so I I think that makes sense that people would be all over going, you know, to a a haunted house in, in January. Uh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and it was great because we our, our crowd was fantastic too. Like a lot of times there might be some people that are, eh, you know, kind of get a little bit too drunk, a little bit too rowdy. Uh, but no, everyone was like amazing. I had one guy, I'll just share this one moment. I came out and did my bit that I normally would do. And usually I get some pretty good scares with it. But this guy, you would have thought somebody from across the hall from where I was in, blasted him with a shotgun because he flew up into the air and we're talking, um, a pretty big dude, um, about six foot five, uh, little on the heavier side. And he went straight in the air and straight back all the way into the wall, probably about like four feet across from where he was standing.
0: (laughs) Holy crap. I love when people will just have these like crazily absurd reactions when they get scared. It makes it it so so much better, right?
1: Oh yeah, I live for it. That's that's my favorite part about working there is when I get a moment like that, especially when it's from someone that you wouldn't expect that from. You know, you expect it kind of like from the, the teenage girls going through there or you know, different people like that. But this dude, I mean, he he was this big, you know, strong tall, you know, real <laughs> macho guy and is like, uh, probably middle-aged and no, no, he, he, he flew. And it was, it was amazing. I love that. So that was, that was last Friday and it only got crazier from there.
0: Oh man. That's sound, that sounds awesome. I, I would love to, to eventually, if, if I can ever make it, I, I want to go in and check that place out. That, that sounds like an awesome spot, man. It's it's yeah. it's so rare to have such a cool little haunted house that just is always, you know. It seems like you guys are you know are, are doing this throughout the year. That's, that's so cool.
1: We do different off season shows. Yeah, our next one's going to be in May. We have uh, halfway to Halloween. That's the next one we do, and then we're not then the, uh, we're not back until the regular hot season at the end of September there, but we'll do periodic. We'll open up for Christmas. We have that show and then any Friday, the 13th and then halfway to Halloween. We always open up for those.
0: And then, and then, what about like a, a Krampus night or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do in Christmas, which um the Krampus show, um and there'll be there'll be some different. A uh, few people will be dressed up like uh, the actual you know Krampus, um, and then there's you know a lot of us will go as elves. A few people there'll be some you know bad Santas in there. Um, there there's always a lot of fun and unique costumes, and they decorate it. Um, completely Christmas themed and uh, we'll have like snowball fights and different stuff like that with little um, foam snowballs that we can kind of chuck at the customers and bounce off them. And it's, and that's always pretty fun. I love the, the Krampus show that we do there. That sounds um, pretty cool. I'll, I'll show up one of these
0: days as bad Santa, but I'm going to be the Billy Bob version.
1: Oh, okay. yeah, no that that was a good movie. It's been a long time since I seen that, but that one was fun. Yeah, it's worth like watching
0: that. again, yeah, but make sure yeah. you, you don't have like family
1: around. <laughs> right, right. Oh so, yeah,
0: that's so really what, cool. else, what else have been going on? Anything uh, anything else?
1: Uh, well, last Saturday, um, I was out on a video shoot to uh, shoot this TV show pitch for Discovery Network um that was pretty interesting i'm not sure if not sure if anything's gonna come of it uh this has been something ongoing since last september um and this actually leads me into the the ghost hunting thing which i'll touch on here soon but um trevor uh the guy that Runs Rogues Hollow Paranormal that I I usually go out with and and shoot paranormal investigations. Uh, Well, someone that he knows, his name is Bill Hall, and he's a medium, and um, he's had uh, history in the military, and then when he got out, uh, started – uh, using, uh, his mediumship skills to kind of investigate different cold cases and, and stuff like that. And he had me come out there with, uh, him and, and Bill. And then one of, uh, Bill's friends that, uh, he has that works with law enforcement out to, uh, Copas Hill, which is, A battleground from the War of 1812 between American settlers and and Native Americans, um, which has a pretty interesting uh, story behind that. And we did an investigation there as part of this show pitch. Well, the producer, she reached back out and she wanted us to come back um, and shoot one more video but that's just of us talking and kind of interacting together as a team. So it could go somewhere. There's uh-huh. supposed to be a bunch of shows uh-huh. getting pitched on the 1st of February, but it's it's really up in the air so I don't want to like get ahead of myself if, you know, right, it, it's yeah. one of those things. It's hopeful, but it's not set in stone.
0: Hey, well that's that's pretty awesome. That sounds that sounds like that uh, was probably uh, just a, a great experience, even just shooting what you did. But hey, hopefully For something sure, yeah. you know fruitful comes from that. That'd be great. Right.
1: For sure, and I mean, at the very least, it, I'm having video that I shot being looked at by a huge uh, TV network, and that in itself is a win.
0: Absolutely, I, I do. I will admit, I I subscribe to Discovery Plus, and I watch some of the just. Ah, man, I, some of the just like the the bottom of the barrel horror stuff on there. It's yeah. got it, it it has a lot of just um some bad stuff on there. Um sci-fi and, and, and paranormal as well, but there is a lot of good stuff on there too. Um yeah. And uh and I don't know, there there's a lot of good content, but I think Discovery uh it's is kind of the home for a lot of this paranormal stuff these days. So it, if, it really is, it really- yeah. Yeah, so I think if you're going to get it greenlit by someone, Discovery is certainly a, a good you know, home for, for something like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, and if, if this doesn't work out, Trevor, um, I mean, we're, we've been talking, too, about some potential avenues for the future of uh, just what we've been doing with Rogue's Hollow because some of the houses we've gone to – uh are pretty crazy we're actually going back out to one of those locations uh the one that was in dalton ohio we're going back out there on saturday night i'm bringing an extra cameraman with me so we can get even more uh footage and if it's anything like the last time uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of interesting stuff and uh should be some interesting stuff to talk about on next week's show too Oh, no, for sure
0: very very cool and
1: um, well, speaking of next week's show, like we're going
0: to, you, you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we could just go ahead and, and break the news. So next week, Trevor Tolly, who runs Rogues Hollow Paranormal Society, um, you're going to get to hear straight from him. Uh, he's coming on the show. We're going to be talking to him. I know, Chris, you got a lot of interesting questions that you want to hey, ask. I,
0: I am so excited. I was saying, uh, there's not, very many times in my day-to-day where I get to, you know, talk to someone and just ask them all sorts of crazy paranormal, uh, cryptid, uh, alien. I'm you know what? I'm gonna ask him all the weirdest types of questions when it relates to all things paranormal. Uh, I'm excited for it. And I'm I'm really more excited, to, you know, just to hear more about Rogues Hollow and and learn about, you know, Trevor's background and, and everything else. It's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah, and it, it, the, the, the funny thing is I feel like I'm really going to be kind of the middleman here because um, I might toss in some questions of my own, but I've been working with him now for going on the better part of almost a year. And uh, so I've been around, and I'm a little bit versed in, in into that, but still I, I, I lean more into the technical and production side of it too. Um, right. But, I've seen I've seen some crazy stuff, and I'm I'm excited to hear uh, what what Trevor's got to say, uh, and where I might be able to chime in too, uh filling in blanks from some of these last investigations that we've been out on, some of the stuff that we caught.
0: Yeah, oh man, it's that's gonna be fun. That'll be fun. So, hey, uh, lis- listeners, if if you have any questions that you want to you know throw our way, or maybe even ask Trevor you know, send them, send them to us. Uh, you can send it, uh megavisionsmag at gmail.com. You can email those uh, to us, but that'd be, that'd be fun. Maybe take some, some uh, listener questions. Um, so we'll see about that. But yeah, that, that sounds really good. I'm, I'm very excited for that. Uh, Alicia, what have you been up to?
2: Not much. Um.
0: <laughs> Anything paranormally going on at your house? Is your house haunted?
2: Um, I call us a way station. So um we have activity once in a while and we get some interesting things through here and then things get pretty quiet. We have a few that stick around for most of the year. Um, but usually around like the solstices and um Halloween we get a bit more activity. So they're a bit uh, nomadic. Huh?
0: <laughs> they're a little nomadic. they, they they're, come Yeah, and go, they're a little and...
2: nomadic. Um but every once in a while I'll have somebody come through and it's like, okay, you need to move on and you need to go now because I, you're disturbing the vibrations around us. So, That's um, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's- yeah, it's,
0: you know what they like, we, we, it's, it's so weird how it all, you know, with, with hauntings or haunted houses or, you know, uh, you know, any sort of spirit or thing you feel in your home. Right. But I mean, we've the past two houses we've owned here in New Jersey, um, the first one was like built, I think 1775 and the one we have now is built even earlier than that. And so you would assume that there's probably tons of people who've died over the years, uh, in the homes and, but I've never really felt like I've ever had any sort of paranormal thing going on in, in the house. It's been weird. So I, I just, I guess just through the fact that the house is so damn old, I assumed it would have been haunted, but You know,
1: I guess it doesn't mean that necessarily. Yeah. No, sometimes age doesn't play a factor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mine's uh, I'm the only person who's ever owned this house. So uh, there hasn't been anybody who's like died or anything. But the ground that it sits on um, is the area in which I live in. Before this was developed, it was kind of a.
0: I see where we're going here.
2: And no, I'm not going to say oh, it, nice. I, I don't think it was necessarily uh, Native American. Although, uh, in the town that I grew up in, there was numerous uh, accounts of, of finding things down there, and there's the haunted staircase, um, which is a really interesting story. Um, <laughs> so, but it's just it seems to be that like the rural area that I live in has has had some history that has happened, um, and because I live out on the west coast, we're not as old as, as the East coast is, our history is, is rather, um, more recent, but, uh, the town that I grew up in was founded in the late 1800s. And so you do have some of that. Uh, and it was just kind of a one horse town where, you know, the Winstons founded it. That house is still there. Um, and they kind of like owned the whole town and everything around them. And the rest of it was all rural and farm areas. Hmm. Um, and, did, and then we were a logging town uh, as well. And so you had all of that. You had the mills and you had the, the loggers and all that kind of stuff happening too. So it, it is interesting. We do have some tall tales. We have a haunted restaurant um, that <laughs> has been many things over the years. And the, the ghosts in the always a bit
0: of brothel, right?
2: Yeah, or something like that. I it guess it seems like
0: every haunted like r- restaurant. They're like, "Oh yeah, it was. It was also yeah, a, brothel. a brothel
2: or something like mm-hmm. that." Um, it's this big old Victorian house which stands out because, uh, like I said, we're West Coast and I'm in Oregon and we really don't have that kind of thing unless you go north to like Portland. And and so we have this old Victorian house. It's absolutely gorgeous, but for years it kept swapping hands constantly. Nobody could stay there for longer than like six months. And then it was up for sale again. And they tried putting businesses in there and everything like that. And it just, it just never really worked. And finally this gal bought it, her and her, her mom bought it and they decided to turn it into a rather upscale restaurant. And she acknowledges that, yeah, they've got some, there's the ones that stay in the attic and they tend to be the partiers and then you have the mean grump that likes to frequent the bar so <laughs> it's uh you know it's just kind of accepted lore around here that hey yeah we've got we've got some ghosts so <laughs> you just kind of um get used to it i guess mm-hmm. so just roll with it. yeah you just roll with it and I as mean, as
0: long as they're not like messing with you and if, if they're kind of minding their own business and just doing their ghost stuff you know that will be right one
2: can be pretty mean i, I guess he's the one that's like made people leave more often um uh, well, but i guess there's a I'm whiskey that he likes and as long as they keep that stocked in the bar he's fine so yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of you know kind of cool for that so and we're also like i said we're in the northwest and so we also have the bigfoot uh a tail i'm a firm believer mm. in it because my great grandpa actually saw him so oh really um, yeah yeah well, it's, and, what was the story there so uh, uh my great grandpa hey, they screw
0: it. Hey, this is the this is now a paranormal <laughs> podcast. So let's let's get into it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean I'm I down. didn't really have it happen this week. <laughs> but my great grandpa and my great grandma on my my grandma's parents, they lived out in Oklahoma and after about 10 12 years of living out there they sold their farm and they moved out here. And they originally started in California and then they decided to move up here to Oregon. And they bought a really nice parcel of land. It had um a several acres of wooded forest behind them, which, I mean, that's, you know, what we're known for around here. And my great grandpa was uh, very straight laced. That man would not lie. He would not make up stories. It was just not his personality. He was a, you know, a quote unquote, god fearing man who lived his life by the book kind of thing. Um, and so apparently there was one night that he could hear the the cows out in the pasture and they were just going off. And it was pretty late at night and that didn't make a whole lot of sense. So he figured it was probably a predator of some sort because we have the bears, we've got cougars, we have coyotes, we have wolves. I mean, we just, we do. And so he went out there with his, uh, with his gun and he was going to check out and see what it was. And he couldn't find anything. And then apparently he saw this figure that was going into the woods. And so he followed it past the, uh, along the back pasture. And he came across a, Huge footprint, a set of footprints. And he was like, okay, it's not a bear because bears' feet don't look like that. It's obviously no creature that I've ever run into. And so he came back in. Apparently, he told my great grandma and my grandma and her sisters about it. And he's like, we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that we stay in the house and and we'll go out and we'll check the the livestock in the morning and stuff like that. So they did that. And sure enough, there was the footprints still there. And so what he decided he was going to do was that the next night, uh, if it happened again, he was going to go out there and he was going to fire off a shot. And so it did; it happened again. the The livestock started going off, and so he went back out there with his with his gun. He fired off a shot, and the footprints uh, another set of footprints were were there, and they ran off into the the upper part of the forest or the, the wooded area that he had. And after that, he never saw it again. Um. So apparently, whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, it was at least afraid enough of the gunshot that it did not come back down. And he said that it didn't do anything. It wasn't like it was, you know, killing the animals or anything like that. It just appeared to be more curious because yeah. they, they homesteaded that land. So it they hadn't been there for very long when all this started happening. So, So, yeah, that was, you know, he believed in Bigfoot when he died. And uh, it was passed down to all of us. And I mean, if he's not going to make up a tale and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a a drinker or anything like that. He did smoke a pipe, but that was about it. Um, If he's not going to make up stories like that, I, I don't see any reason not to believe it. So and with enough, you know, there's been enough people around here who have seen strange things uh, related to Bigfoot and Sasquatch and all of that, that it's just kind of hard to, to debunk it completely. So honestly, what I think is that the more we encroached upon their territory, the smarter they got. And so they decided that we just weren't the, worth the trouble. So, you know, um, Hey, and
0: there's, <laughs> there, there are people, there, there are quite a few people out there too, who believe that, you know, a Sasquatch has some sort of paranormal, uh, you know, uh, qualities, or or I, I don't know, something about it, and and some people believe that, um, they they can can vanish, or they are somehow, um, uh, dimensional beings, and can
1: yeah, like elementals,
0: right. And, and so that's, you know, that's why they come and go and, and, you know, we've never been able to possibly find one. I don't know. I, I, I that's certainly, <laughs> that's certainly an, an out there, uh, idea, but I, Hey, I'm, I'm open to it, but I, I think, you know, <laughs> I think probably the more likely situation, if it's true is that it, it is just, you know, a, a, a probably a rather small, you know, population of, of, you know, like. Maybe a, a, a relative of was it Gigantopithecus uh, or something along those lines, but I don't know. Who uh, I I do believe in Bigfoot, though. I'll, I'll say that on record. I, I, <laughs> I think I think that's there. So that that very cool story. I, I have a, a another story to tell you guys, um, and it's not because I'm trying to pile it on at all. I had planned on do this because it was just the anniversary of this just happened yesterday. Um, I don't know if I've told you guys about the, the alien that was supposedly shot and killed at Fort Dix out here at the military base I, I work at.
2: I think you mentioned it um, before.
0: Yeah, it sounds
1: vaguely familiar.
0: So, supposedly on January 18th, uh, 1978, there were uh, some military police officers over at Fort Dix who uh, reported seeing some strange lights in the sky, and apparently the air traffic control tower had also been been seeing some things throughout the night. And as they were uh, patrolling, I guess they were kind of towards one of the perimeters of the uh, the base near a fence line area, wooded area, because that that area uh, on the Fort Dick side is is t- it's tons of like pine trees. It's it's kind of close to the Pine Barrens, really, and uh, and so. It's kind of densely populated with trees in that that area. So anyway, they they reported seeing the lights uh, directly above their their police car at some point, and they got out and they actually uh, reported in that they saw a craft hovering above the uh, the vehicle. Now I don't know if this part's true, but supposedly the story goes that one of the officers fired a couple shots at the craft, uh, and then. Uh, from there, the the craft uh, moved away into uh, the the wooded area and, and appeared to descend and land. And uh, so the cops stayed out there. And a few minutes later, apparently, uh, two alien or an alien being emerged from the woods. And the police officer told them to to stop. And and they went through the whole you know process with you know trying to communicate and and tell this this being, I guess, to, uh, to stop moving towards them, but it it kept approaching. And so they ended up firing a couple shots at it and and hitting it. And the story goes is that, uh, it ended up running, uh, away, uh, towards the, the flight line area and ended up either jumping over the fence or crawling through the fence or something. Um, it, it, I've seen accounts both ways. Um, but I like the idea that the alien like jumped over the fence, kind of like uh, in, in uh, men in black when Will Smith is like chasing that alien. He's just like hops up on top of the, uh, the building. That's what I'm kind of imagining in my head. Um, so anyway, the alien jumps over the, uh, the fence line runs onto the flight line. It's wounded uh, because the officer, you know, uh, shot it. And so it succumbs to its injuries. Some point on the flight line, it falls and dies there. And if, a few minutes later the uh, the air force police come um and discover you know the the dead alien and they you know start calling in at that point and it start so um i guess that there's a big chain reaction of of up reporting uh george filer's story goes that uh he was a a military intelligence officer at the base and in his book uh which came out a few years ago, but uh, he's, he claims that he was on, he was called in he usually came to work pretty early about like four o'clock in the morning. Uh, But as he got to the base, he saw that there was a lot of activity going on, lots of lights um, uh, around the flight line. Uh, And so he knew something might've been up. And when he reported uh, to the command post that morning, uh, one of the uh, senior NCOs there pulled him aside and, and told him basically an alien had been shot and killed at Fort Dix and you know ran onto the flight line uh and died there. Um supposedly a, a mili- another military aircraft came uh, at some point and got the body of the alien and left with it and um and so who that was I don't I don't know, but uh George Flyer was the intelligence officer and he was he was basically going to have to brief what happened to senior you know commanders up at their major command and and things on up and so he was basically preparing this intel report about what had happened uh and then at some point through it it all got called off and everything got really really hushed and they weren't allowed to talk about it and it basically all got shut down and so yeah i mean he's he's pretty old now he's he's in his uh late 80s i think mr filer um and so I just think he has a really fantastic story uh, with this, and it's actually corroborated by another witness. One of the uh, Air Force police officers uh, who responded to it has had come out uh, separately and uh, and talked about this incident. So there's actually two people, Mr. Filer and that other uh, um, that other person, who've, who've gone on record and, and talked about it. And so pretty interesting stuff. I just wanted to bring it up because, Hey, uh, it's not something that people talk a lot about these days. And it just, the anniversary is just yesterday. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Especially like when you think about like the, uh, all the um, images that the CIA had of UFOs and stuff too, that it it just piles on more and more evidence of extraterrestrial life too. Man, it it just seems like
0: throughout the whole realm of, paranormal it's it's a very active time we're in for
1: sure definitely yeah so
0: i think it's time to to, to put away the the paranormal talk for a little bit unfortunately and i think we have to talk about some some video game news now so let's switch gears and we're gonna hand it over to sam and let's jump into the weekly releases sam
1: yeah, all right, great. So this week we actually, we have quite a few games uh, that are releasing this week. Most of them uh, are already out at this point, uh, already released. A uh, couple more still coming. Um, oh, I want to say tomorrow, but I know that for the listeners, if this is getting released on January 20th, uh, it would be today. So it's going to mess me up trying to say all this. But a lot of these games, they're already out. As of this recording, starting off, we have Colossal Cave, um, which, for those of you ho- who have been following Mega Visions, uh, I have done a lot of extensive coverage on Colossal Cave. Um, it's a reimagining of the uh, 70s text adventure. Um, But this time it's been fully uh, reimagined with 3D graphics and it's in virtual reality uh, by none other than Sierra Online's founders, Ken and Roberta Williams, with their new uh, studio that they founded for this Cygnus Entertainment. So it's really exciting. You have. you know the legendary Roberta Williams, and she's known for you know King's Quest and uh, a lot of those old Sierra games that were huge back in the day, extremely revolutionary uh, games that changed the industry. And she and her husband Ken came out of retirement; uh, they've been retired for years to do this reimagining, where you're bringing one of the uh, one of the original adventure games and taking this text adventure and, and adding, you know, visuals to it and making it this fully immersive, you know, 3d world while still retaining a lot of what made the original game special with, um, you know, almost turn based mechanics that are based on point and click with the same outcome probabilities right from the original game. So really, really exciting stuff. Colossal cave is out now on, playstation 5 xbox series x and s um nintendo switch and pc and it's also fully playable in vr on meta quest 2 and then uh, was that also the news that came out today about um it being on psvr 2
0: yes yeah they they confirmed Um,
1: that today yeah so that's that's awesome. There's so many ways, uh, so many platforms for you to play that. So I'll be reviewing that, um, as well. Um, alongside one of our uh, newer writers, uh, David Maddox, he's going to be playing it in VR and I'll be playing it on PC. So stay tuned for a review on that. Also out is a space for the unbound. Um, so this, uh, kind of puts you in uh, rural Indonesia uh, during the nineties. So it's a slice of life, a slice of life adventure um, between two high school sweethearts, but it's not just all within uh, our realm, actually taking things a little bit back into the paranormal. Uh, these mm-hmm. two um, develop psychic abilities and their small town ends up getting threatened by some paranormal, uh, different occurrences so the two of them have to end up teaming up together to get to the bottom of it while also learning more about each other and telling an emotional human tell about their relationship so that's I dig the pixel art i'm, I'm checking it out yeah it looks it looked like a cute game yeah it's it's definitely one of those uh it, it's it's really really charming and and um one of those games that's you know it's got a certain style to it um it's definitely a, a hidden gem that you know is worth checking out for sure. And you there's can there's a free play demo that.
0: on Steam too.
1: Oh yeah, then that way there you can try it out, see if you want to buy it. But it's also, in addition to being on PC, you can also get it on um, PS5, um, PS4, as well as Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. So it's essentially it's out on. Everything right now, so uh, no matter what, no matter what platform you're on, uh, you can uh, check out a space for the unbound. I only do
0: Amazon Luna these days.
1: Oh, in that case, that's that a thing. Even I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've I, never heard, heard about that time. in a that that in a while. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I I don't think it's available on Amazon Luna. And then, if you really want to go back and uh, look at some uh, different older systems, if you if you primarily play on, say, a Commodore sixty four, you you might not be <laughs> able to play that either. There, we well, want to take things. I, I want demand want really a back. <laughs> Uh But. No, it's it's cool when when a uh, release is is out on so many platforms cuz a lot of times you you get stuck with different like exclusivities and then some people aren't able to play it. So seeing a game, especially a smaller indie game like that that you can check out on uh anything that you're on is pretty exciting. You got to give love to a, a lot of the really Imaginative and creative developers that are out there on the indie scene. So, yeah, always definitely. want to give a shout out to them. Um, oh,
2: my playlist. So,
1: yeah. Uh, and then shifting gears too uh, to something uh, more uh, more well known. Uh, both Persona Three Portable and Persona uh, Four Golden. I've gotten. Uh, Ported on over to modern hardware, so two of the classic uh, JRPGs in the Persona franchise you're going to be able to get your hands on now on uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, uh, Nintendo Switch, and PC. You're going to be able to. Uh, so if you haven't played uh, Persona 3 Portable or you haven't played Persona 4 Golden, now's your chance. They're now on uh, modern hardware, so you can get a and on that as well as if you're a diehard persona fan and you just want to go back and replay uh two of the two of the classics they're both available now so and we'll we ha- we've been covering that on mega visions and we'll have um uh, reviews on those as well to see how they carry over onto uh today's systems
0: that's awesome i'm i'm excited to just to jump back in and, and being that they're on game pass hey it's it's a uh just no no extra cost to check them out right right
1: right right, exactly that makes it even better when it's on game pass um and then this week we got the next installment in the uh tactical rpg franchise fire emblem we with fire emblem engage so you'll be on the continent of i'm going to butcher the pronunciation <laughs> elios um and after you discover your divine dragon uh with, you'll go on a quest to gather mysterious rings and save the land and it's really interesting um tactical rpg experience so you'll be able to recruit both new and familiar faces for your team up and then as you continue on you'll have to face off in strategical battles so it's really going to be uh you're going to feel at home if you played other games in the series but if you haven't now's your chance to jump into the fire emblem series and that's on nintendo switch so it is a switch exclusive
0: Switch getting them exclusives.
1: Yep. Oh they yeah. Nintendo. Them. No, N- Nintendo. They, uh, they love exclusives. Uh, but then lastly, we're going to close off the week with something a, a little bit different. Um, although in a way it ties back to Nintendo because it's developed and published by game freak who you'll mostly know for pokemon but this is a mobile card slash racing game called uh pocket card jockey ride on so yeah. it kind of blends two really interesting two distinct genres um between horse racing and solitaire so <laughs> yeah what if if you're if if you love horses and you love solitaire, this is the perfect game for you. Two <laughs> two things you probably never thought you'd see the walls of collide. But they do it in a really interesting way. So the way that it works is you'll do a round of solitaire, and then the quicker that you can clear the cards, the happier your horses will be, which will allow them to then recharge their energy to do better in the race. And then how good you're doing on the solitaire rounds and your position on the track actually changes the difficulty. So if you're struggling, it'll make it a little bit easier on you, but the better that you get, the more difficult it's going to get. So it's got a really uh, interesting progressive difficulty system that changes based on, you know, how you're doing in it. And that You know, it's going to be on iOS devices, so just Apple. So unfortunately for Android users, uh, but it it may eventually, you never know, it could eventually work its way on over to Google Play. Um, But for now, it's just going to be on Apple devices. But if you have an iPhone and you want to do a little bit of uh, some gaming and want to try something interesting, mixing the worlds of solitaire and horse racing, pocket card jockey ride on is definitely one worth checking out, especially the credentials of, you know, the team behind it. Um, Game freak.
0: I only know them from Timbo. The, the, what is it? Timbo, the, the something elephant Timbo, the angry elephant. What was that that they did? That was a, a, a Sega published one. Tembo, oh. the Oh, Timbo the Badass Elephant. Yeah. Okay. The, they, they published Badass. and uh, they released that one back in 2015. That was a fun wow. little game. Um,
1: I never heard of that. I, yeah, mostly most people know Game Freak because they've been working on all the Pokemon games lately. Yeah, I was just joking about that part. I know the. Oh, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, took you I know second, but uh,
0: it was weird though. Yeah, that partnership just came out of nowhere. It was is really weird. Um, that uh, yeah, Game Freak and Sega teamed up for that one. I I think I I played it at PAX East back back then. Um, it was at Sega's booth, but cool game. I wouldn't I would I wouldn't be mad if if they uh wanted to do another one of those sometime. They were fun, so. But yeah, that par- pocket card jockey. I would love to see. Uh, I would love to have been in on the pitch meeting for that, and 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 then sh- show the Venn diagram where those two uh, segments like kind of overlap, where it's like that whole the pocket card aspect and the and, the the, ho- and the, uh, the the horse side of things. Like, how does that interact and and formulate into a uh, an uh, you know uh, an attractive investment? I don't know, but.
1: It's here I don't know the interesting thing is that actually though this this one that came out this is actually a sequel there is a original pocket card jockey that came out actually for the Nintendo 3ds back in the day
0: Well hey man well who's its it, it, it apparently attracted enough of a following that it's back again so ride on my jockeys ride on. And I think that's going to uh round it out for the uh, releases this week.
1: Right? Yeah, I couldn't have done a better transition. I le- I <laughs> ride right on. I left that I left that alone just so- I was like that's the perfect transition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let,
0: yeah, let's transition. Uh we do have some uh some news to talk about and and this one it's not the greatest news to talk about. It's it's Sega Sammy is selling uh its arcade business the Sega Entertainment to uh, Genda Inc. And I'll, I'll just read this. It's from GameIndustry.biz. It uh, says, Sega Sami has announced it will sell the majority of its shares in Sega Entertainment Division to Japanese amusement rent- rental business uh, Genda Inc. In an announcement to shareholders today, Sega stated that it would transfer 85.1% of its shares in its subsidiary to Genda, retaining 14.9% and that the company expected to record, ooh, quote, unquote, extraordinary losses in connection with the transfer of uh, approximately $191 million, uh, by the end of the fiscal year. The company goes on to say that the decision comes due to the hefty impacts of COVID on the arcade and amusement facilities uh, businesses, and they said that despite the recent recovery trend, the situation remains uncertain. And uh, this included the uh, you know closure of the Akihabara Arcade in September of last year. And so um, one thing it does say that is worth noting is that uh, while Sega Entertainment creates and operates the company's arcade locations... It's still Sega itself that uh, manufactures and, and sells the, the actual arcade machine. So, uh, that's still going to happen, I guess. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the amusement machines and associated prizes and items that uh, Sega had been um, doing before is is all part of that business transfer to, to Genda. So, I guess, I don't know. the uh, the, the arcade scene is uh is certainly uh seeing better times and i i don't know what the future is going to be for it
1: yeah i think i think what covid really is what kind of was that nail in the coffin and it's a shame because it, and i mean there's still arcades here but they're few and far between and i think japan was kind of that last frontier really for arcades to be you know that much of part of the culture, and, yeah, and I, kind of seeing that change is it just it, it sucks. You know that is no other way mm-hmm. to say it.
0: I I do think that some of these uh, smaller scale arcades are, are have great business models. You know, I think um, you know uh, doing stuff like the Galloping Ghost. Uh, I mean, obviously they're, they're great. And um, I've, I've been to a fun spot in New Hampshire before, but you know, there, there's a lot of other great arcades are around there, but the idea of, you know, you going in and you know, you basically, you know, pay a, a, you know, a set amount and you go in and everything's free to play. Uh, a lot of them have bars or, you know, food. And so it's a much different kind of cooler and better experience. I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, at some of these places and, and those are great experiences and they're super fun when you can go and hang out with friends at, at those places. But I don't know if those places still need new arcade games to 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 you know be in business. They've got tons of these, you know, retro, you know, and and you know arcade games through the years that I don't know if it's, you know, necessarily, you know, if, if that in and of itself uh you know is is worth companies continuing uh to manufacture arcade games on a a large scale um i don't know but then you got like you go into a lot of like places like dave and busters and and these other places and it seems like all they are are like redemption you know machines and things and like the the true arcades are are just few and far between you know when you go to those places at least in my experience
2: we yeah, had a, a round one um, up by us, and it modeled itself um, after Japanese arcade styles. So it has the, it, it's with a bit of American capitalism thrown in there. Because everything's <laughs> you got to add that, right? Oh, it's so expensive. We actually, I'd looked into uh, renting it for uh, my daughter's 18th birthday last year. And uh, just to have, like, a small party there with, like, I think we were going to have, like, five people was going to cost me, like, $300. And I was, like, yeah. And that did not include – that included, like, an hour worth of tokens and, um, like, a small pizza party and drinks, (laughs) I think, was, like, it. And I was, like – um. So for five people, including my toddler son, I'm going to pay three hundred dollars. That equals out to a heck of a lot of money per person. Um, like we got
0: video games at home. That's uh, you yeah, have your birthday actually, we, we,
2: I think I <laughs> yeah. gave her like a, a little because you can get like the little gift card thing where you can load it up, you know, and then they can use it. And I think mm-hmm. I, I put like forty dollars, fifty dollars on that, and just let her, her go nuts. But even then, she was only able to play like or six games and that was it. And that was gone. Yeah, it's, and it's, it was just like this is ridiculous. Um, I mean the format and style is a lot of fun. Like you when you go in, it's got the lights and the sound, and it's big and it's flashy, and and it has the clog uh machines with all of the stuff that we don't generally see here because, like I said, I believe round one when I was looking into i I'd wanted to interview them, but they apparently have a closed uh business model like they don't talk to people including if you have complaints um so it's not a real great thing um but apparently like they're uh the the ceo of the company is actually uh, japanese and he spends half of his time like here in in california and then half of his time in japan and so it is a traditional style that's what he wanted to do was bring you know uh the traditional arcade of of japan of sega that kind of thing here so that we could experience it and it is a really fun experience if you got the cash and if you don't well the lights are nice so (laughs) it's just kind of one of those things and and so like we have that and then we have a, a bowling alley that has a small arcade in it and it's actually much more fun to go to the bowling alley and play there even though it's a bit more noisy, but it it has a, a more family friendly atmosphere, I think, to it, and it doesn't feel quite so over commercialized in its right. uh, in the way that you you know that you get to go and you get to play, and so I I mean. I know that in Japan, this is kind of their expected thing. They they grew up with those kinds of arcades, whereas we grew up with the smaller ones. That's just kind of, you know, the the difference between our two cultures. But I I did a lot of uh, I reported on the closing of that particular arcade when it closed down, and they had to they had to do it because of the the building needed to be repaired and the repairs were going to take a substantial amount of time. And so they ended up just closing their doors. They actually moved across the street and uh, they were supposed to retain rights to the building once it reopened, but obviously it had some issues. I mean, you know, when you look at that, they're taking substantial losses. That's not a good word that you want to be throwing around when it comes to this. And I mean, Obviously COVID nineteen had a big hand in all of this, but because they were gonna have to close down for so long, I think that really cut into their business. And that was from what I understand, that was their last arcade. It was their long their first arcade and their last arcade to shut down. So it's just it's sad. It's it's the ending of an era over there for them. And I'm hoping that maybe Maybe the transfer, you know, splitting up some of this will help. Maybe they'll find a different way to invest back into the business and be able to keep it going because it is such a big part of their culture. And uh, I hate to see them lose that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just Sega at this point is is just wants to get out of the actual arcade, uh, like establishment business side of it and is just looking to, you know, Support it with you know, you know the actual arcade games and, and that sort of things. Which you know what, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. You know, they're 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 you know getting some, some some probably much needed funds. You know to uh, to help you know run other aspects of you know the businesses and, and stuff that they have. And because yeah, it sounds like they're going to be sustaining some heavy losses this year, uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see how you know, how bad that's going to be, but more to come. We'll continue on with our next piece. So this will be a short one, but I just wanted to to quickly touch on it. The, uh, Atari 50, uh, the anniversary celebration has a new update. Uh, and there's tons of tons of stuff in here, but I just, I just, uh, try to kind of uh, trim it down a little bit and I'll just talk about some of the, uh, the main things. So, one of the thing, cool things, it says on the arcade that dip switches can now be accessed for most arcade games at the game options menu. These will, be, these will vary based on the game's original options, but may include settings such as difficulty, number of lives, bonus score thresholds, and screen orientation. And then it goes on to say some arcade games have been enhanced with new options in their dip switch settings. For instance, Pong and Firetruck offer color modes that were not available in the original arcade versions, Firetruck can also be set to single-player mode, which more closely represents Atari's Smoky Joe arcade machine. And then for the Atari 2600, there's a gameplay exploit that has been removed from Warlords. They also restored some missing pages of Sword Quest Earthworld comic book. And the one that I think is probably the coolest and, and one that I think people should get most excited about uh, is some of the uh, things with Tempest 2000 in here. So Tempest 2000 now supports analog controller input. This feature was hidden in the original game and intended to support an official rotary controller that was never released. This feature has now been surfaced and improved to function with modern controllers. So that, that's kind of cool, I think. And then Tempest 2000 now offers an enhanced and overclock mode that boosts the video to 60 frames per second for a smoother experience on modern hardware. And so, I don't know, I I assume when they say modern hardware, they mean not the Switch. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe the PS4, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe this doesn't, that an overclock mode, maybe not be for the Switch, but... I have to check it out either way. I own it on the switch. So if it, I I would hope it would be, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. And then they also, lastly, they updated uh, credits to thank even more people for their, their incredible help there. So I don't know if that was a thing. Like if, if people were upset that maybe they, they didn't get credited for, for work on the game or, or what was going on there. Um, I'm not, uh, wasn't in the know on that, but Hey, I'm all about, you know, more people, you know, who deserve credit for their contributions towards a project that they get the proper, you know, acknowledgement for their contributions. So that's cool. Cool to hear. So, hey, I, I love those, uh, you know, the people uh, and, and all the great stuff that they're doing um, over there. And the, the work with Atari 50 was just simply amazing. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already it's it can be had for for pretty cheap these days. I think I got it for like 20 bucks. Uh it wasn't that long ago. So definitely check it out. Uh so that's going to wrap up the news this week. We're going to have a feature topic this week. Uh some stuff going on over at Limited Run uh that we want to touch on. So with that said, I'll turn it over to Alicia now and uh yeah, you can get a start out this Alicia.
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm the controversy person. <laughs>
0: Hey, you start the trouble, or you just report on the trouble. You're not necessarily starting
2: it. You know, I wanted to be an investigative reporter before I started all this, and it just kind of comes naturally. I don't mean to. It just happens. So if you have been on social media lately, you've probably heard something about limited run games. They have been trending more than once, and unfortunately, it's not for their Dead Space Collector's Edition, which, by the way, comes out next week. And it's two hundred and seventy nine dollars, so. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so the problems actually started a while ago, but it was just kind of went under the radar. Uh, some people have reported that they had bought, uh, like steelbooks and, and collector's editions and things like that from limited run because that's what they they specialize in, and they paid a hefty chuck of change for for these. Um, like I said. That space is $279. Um, Some of the other ones that I've seen clock over $300 or more. And so unfortunately, when people have received their products, they have been broken. And I'm not talking about just the packaging. The products inside the packaging, the figurines, the uh, CDs, because they do deal in uh, physical editions of these games have been scratched. They've been broken and there's been water damage, just not what you expect when you pay that amount for something that you're probably really looking forward to. I mean, the stuff that you can get for some of these things for some of these collectors editions are really cool. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to fork out that much money, I'm going to be pretty excited about what I'm going to get. And, Unfortunately, it has not been good. Uh, Sonic Frontiers was another one that people were having problems with. There was some, some severe water damage to some of their cases. Um, so, it's just, you know, that that's a problem. There was shipping issues they had said that they were going to send out, because when you buy something from them, um, a lot of times it's, for one, it's limited, so there's not a whole lot of them there. And It usually ships out on or closely to the release date of of if it's a new game. And there were shipping issues as in severe delays. We know there's a supply shortage. We know there's been problems with the weather and things like that. So there's obviously things that you can't compensate for. But one person had reported four months after they had supposedly ordered this that was supposed to go out. On the release date of that game, and it did not. And so, you're already got some some real issues with your customers. You've got people who are unhappy, and then we had the very public firing of an employee. And mm-hmm. for legal issues, we will be talking in alleged and supposedly things like that, because of course, as you know, you you know, uh, innocent until found guilty kind of thing. So, this all started. Uh, uh, earlier this month, it was around the what the tenth of January, I believe it was somewhere right in there, that limited run came out and said that they had fired one of their employees while they they tolerate and respect other people's opinions and want to have an inclusive environment. They felt that this person's Behavior and opinions did not uphold the standards that limited run had. And so they fired her. Uh, She was um, an employee that was rather high up in the, in the company. So it wasn't like, it was just, you know, something small.
0: I think she was their community manager, right? Yeah, I
2: believe she was their community manager. I was trying to find the exact uh, title, what they called her. Mm, I'm not finding it right now but yeah she was she, she was pretty high up she was like their community liaison they she dealt with you know um, their customer base and, and things like that and so the immediate thing that came out about this was that she was transphobic and like I said, if you've been on social media, you know a lot of what's going on when it comes to the gaming community. We are very divided right now, unfortunately. And a lot of this is surrounding Hogwarts Legacy. If you've listened to the podcast, you do know my feelings on it and you do know why. Um, but it has been extremely divisive, especially on Twitter, uh, to the point where we have had people saying that they will ban people from their streams or their social media sites. They will unfriend them. They will block them and threats of violence that actually came out a couple of days ago. There was someone who was threatening people that if they went and bought this, that they should unalive themselves or that they would stalk the, the lines outside their GameStop and they plan to throw rocks at people. Um, so it's getting, it's getting pretty dicey, unfortunately. Um, but because of this huge debate that's going on right now about he- Hogwarts Legacy and uh, J.K. Rowling's transphobic uh, remarks and things like that, it it's become kind of this push to eviscerate people. And unfortunately, this person, their community uh, director, was the person that someone went after. And... It's important to acknowledge that this the the threats came from one person. Um his name their name is Purple Tinker. That's what they go by and they threatened very publicly on Twitter to ask for a $12,000 refund from Limited Runs unless they fired her and they delivered what they felt was damning evidence of her Views. She follows certain groups on... Or certain accounts on Twitter. Uh, A few alt-right. There was an anti-LGBT account. And there is no evidence that she engages with these people. Because I've gone through all the evidence that he, he... They... Anyway... They're transgender, but I'm not sure which direction they went, so that's why I'm kind of having the problem here. Um, I've
0: seen online that yeah, it's been used as she, so I I just have yeah, gone but with that. but sure I don't I don't that, know if
2: yeah. So so they uh, they offered up some evidence uh, that's blurry that you really can't see, um, but other people were able to find the direct uh, what they were talking about and. The accounts that, that she follows, that the, the community director, the woman who was fired, follows, there's no evidence that she actually engaged with them um, on like a continuous basis, or that she was actively transphobic. This is what they, they concluded on their own, that she was actively transphobic, or at least supported transphobic individuals, and limited game, uh, limited run games, they apparently... Had an internal investigation. What that looked like, we don't know. And whatever it was that they supposedly found, they concluded that they needed to terminate her. Which they did. And
0: like they, they didn't probably, kill her, but they just yeah, fired her.
2: No. Sorry. They did not. They did not unalive <laughs> her. Un- her. She's still <laughs> alive. Um, but they did fire her. And it was rather public mm-hmm. that they fired her. And yeah, so they made an
0: announcement about it, right?
2: Yeah, they did. Um but they tried to like hush hush about who exactly they fired. They were very vague in their in their firing. Um which was which was another problem that people had because it was like, look, if you're going to make a statement, make a statement. Don't do this right. kind of well, we are inclusive and we believe that everyone should have an opinion, but this person's opinion is not one we like, and so she's gone. Um, yeah,
0: I think it sets a. I, I think that is just a, a very dangerous, uh, I guess, precedent. Uh, you know, to go go with. I mean, if, if if you're looking at solely on the fact that they're following certain people on on Twitter, I, I me my my personally, I don't feel like that is equals. You're supporting. That person necessarily uh it's because you may want to know what that person is saying doesn't mean that you are supporting that person you know what i mean like it could be that you just want to know what both sides of a a conversation are having or saying and and that that's that but i i just think that that is a uh you know tricky ground and yeah i i don't know it's 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 kind of a it's kind of weird, and this person that started the whole thing in terms of, uh, you know, rec- claiming that they're going to request this massive like refund, like why can't run just say no? <laughs> like you've already bought the games or whatever yeah. else. Like you know, like no. Or if it's like stuff in pre order, I would still say you know what that still sucks. Like I I would I would hate to be a of an employee of limited run and if and now you have to really like they're probably scared of like who they're following or or what they might have said and and now they are have to worry about people start going through all of their twitter, you know, posts and their timelines and seeing who they're following in any of this and you know I I would just imagine that in itself is just stressing a lot of these people out and and it sucks because you know, it, it, it might have just been due that, you know, the company just didn't support its employees on a on, you know, on, on what might be a controversial topic. And that, that sucks too. So
2: well it's yeah. a legal my... issue as well, because if there was nothing in their hiring contract or anything like that that says that they are not allowed to follow certain Twitter accounts or anything on social media, then this is wrongful termination um so that's that's another really slippery slope that they're standing on because she could have some massive amounts of recourse here i mean lawsuit 101 and so it's just mm, you can't you cannot dictate people's opinions and and since it doesn't appear that she was openly calling for you know uh Bad things to happen to trans people, or or anything along those lines. Apparently, she follows some Republican accounts, and so therefore she's automatically.
0: Oh my God!
2: <laughs> oh no, right? She's automatically <laughs> bad person. Um, right. You know, it's like, do you follow your local senators? Well, exactly. there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I follow Bobby Kotek and you know exactly how I feel about Activision Blizzard. Um, does that mean that I believe anything that he says? Absolutely how dare you, Alicia? Not. I know.
0: You're
2: fired. <laughs> hey, now we discussed that when I was hired. <laughs> that was part of the reason that I, you know, I asked that when I was hired was, hey, is there any, you know, thing about social media that I need to be aware of? Do I need to police my own account? Do I need mm-hmm. to, you know, what are your expectations so that I'm not casting because I view myself as a representative of Megavisions, especially now that I'm the reviews editor, and so sure. you know I want to make sure that I'm representing our common interest in a way that is not, um, you know, that shines badly on Megavidgets. But that also means that that's why we put that in our in our comments and things like that, that our opinions are our own. Um, that they are not conducive, or they're not the same as everybody else's. And we're not necessarily, that our opinions do not necessarily represent the companies that we work for. Um, right. And so it's just kind of, this is a really tough thing. And it's going to be interesting to see, because she's been pretty quiet from what I understand. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see if she decides to seek legal action and what that could look like in the grand scheme of everything. Because mm. the internet is so murky. There is no real set anything. Like when it comes to hate speech or uh, you know, even threats of violence and things like that. I mean, I... I had a restraining order against my ex and he threatened to kill me. And I took that to the police and said, Look, and they sat there and said, It's on social media. We can't do anything. And I went, All right, thanks. But that's the problem is that we don't have really clear cut guidelines and laws when it comes to opinions and how we talk on the internet and how we talk about other people on the internet. And so it's just, it, yeah, it's a really rough thing. And then on top of that, this guy, girl, person, who made this threat, the internet started doing some digging, because that's what happens when you start opening your mouth. And they found that tweets from 2017, where they repeatedly defended teens being in relationship with older people, saying that rape is an inaccurate term for such actions. Hmm. And so, mm, you've got a person who doesn't necessarily, apparently they've also stalked people on the internet and they've done, they've done some really shady crap. And so when you've got somebody who is throwing stones at glass houses, unfortunately you're going to put yourself into that light. And so now Purple Tinker is also in the spotlight for the bad things that they have allegedly done. And so there's this question of this, this double standard. Are you going to be cowed by someone who threatens to, refund $12,000, which is interesting because uh, Limited Run's refund policy is very stingy, which is what they're putting into play right now because people are pulling out. They're asking for refunds because of this. Um, oh, and, and and Limited Run is putting up the, the blockers immediately. We will not be refunding your stuff. Um, and so it's interesting that, that, that Purple Teaker threatened $12,000 worth of refunds unless they fired their employee and now they're not willing to fulfill refunds for people who are trying to pull out because of limited runs behavior. And so, yeah, there's this massive double standard going on. It's not a good luck for look for a limited run and oh, man, what a headache. <laughs> for
0: sure. Hey, Sam, I, I know you had, uh, you, you, you briefly started saying something. I wanted to give you an yeah. opportunity. Yeah of in there
1: uh, oh so oh, i don't even know where to begin with this first <laughs> of all yeah really really bad Yay. uh pr look for limited run games that is yikes um that is not the look that you want to have as a professional company especially to basically be bullied into uh firing someone which is essentially what happened um and then as far as you know does following someone on twitter equal support definitely not no no and and also i think there's a massive another point that needs to be brought up is uh, there is a huge difference um between following somebody or even having a different viewpoint Um, or having for, for instance, um, in in this case, if having conservative views, even say that this individual say that she did, there's a difference between that and then actively, you know, uh, making bold, uh, controversial and, or hateful, uh, statements representing the company. Um, but that's to even take that leap and say that, well, she does, You know, she does align with conservative viewpoints, but that's not necessarily the case either because, you know, that doesn't even just because she follows accounts doesn't even necessarily mean that she would support those views. But even if she did support conservative views, that's not even incriminating enough to say, like, oh, well, you deserve to be fired because you're on the opposite end of the political spectrum. That's not openly coming out and saying hate speech either. So I think that's another kind of way to, um, you know, weigh in even more to the point of there could be some legal recourse for wrongful wrongful termination. Uh, But then lastly, I think a lot of this has to do with limited run games uh, almost in panic mode when it comes to their image anyway, with already uh, a damaged look with, you know, late products and damaged products being shipped out. Um, anything like that $12,000 demand for a refund, they could have just rashly made this call just so solely based on panic mode of, Oh no, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're in a, we're in a mess already. Let's try to, you know, not blow this out of proportion. But I think that in doing so they blew it even more so out of proportion. So just a really bad look on them and, and, um, unprofessional in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um it's crazy. And and I don't know what the 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 state uh, I guess employment laws are in, in North Carolina where they're based in. Uh and so I don't know if they'd have any recourse from from that standpoint, but I would assume that they could certainly kind of to your point, uh Alicia, you know, look at at possibly a lawsuit uh, and on, on some, you know, certain ground. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what ends up coming from this. Uh, but, uh, we'll definitely keep, keep following this story. Uh, but listen, you know, listeners, I, I would be interested to hear what, what you have to say. Uh, what do you, what do you think of this? It's, it's definitely a controversial topic, uh, and very polarizing, but, uh, but yeah, I just think at the end of the day, you know, we try, you need to try to let, common sense prevail (laughs) as much, uh, you know, as as many instances as possible. And I think, you know, maybe this one could have certainly been handled better. (laughs) So, but yeah, we'll see what happens from there. Um, where are we on time an hour and 36? Do you guys want to wrap it up? From here, we can. Want do- I just
1: wanted to uh, read one thing really quick looking at employees' uh, rights when it comes to uh, political activity retaliation for North Carolina. I'll read this in a quote from uh, guideslaw.com. Employers may not directly or indirectly intimidate, fire, or threaten to fire employees based off of their voting activities. Additionally, employers. Uh, discriminate against employees because of their use of lawful products, which can be broadly defined as things such as blogging software, Twitter, political science, and other products used to speak. Ooh. So there's, yeah. there's yeah. some recourse there in North Carolina. That's explicitly stated in their law.
0: And, and they're, they're, on the other side of this, and, and I guess I, this is me playing devil's advocate at this point, they very well could have uncovered something in that internal investigation, that gave them just cause for this and maybe they just haven't put that out public. I don't know. You know, there, there could be some other yeah. stuff going on internally that we're not privy to. So that's certainly a, uh, 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 you know, a possibility. So I don't want to rule that out uh, necessarily, but if that's the case, I, I hope that, you know, something comes out about it and that we can learn more and, about this situation and and get a better understanding of maybe Limited runs, uh, thought process, or perspective about this whole thing, and and then on the flip side, if there's going to be any any um, potential, you know, lawsuits or more stuff to come down the road. So, but yeah, I think um, I guess with that, you know, we covered a lot there in this in this podcast. Um, I think maybe that uh, that'll wrap it up this week. What do you guys think?
2: Well, we've got major reviews coming out next week, and some really great streams so but this week's pretty quiet for us so uh so it's all y'all decided to release in the middle of the freaking month what the heck no (laughs) 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 and y'all decided to release at the same time like what the heck so (laughs) Uh, uh one thing i did want to mention is that uh I forgot about this earlier. It's kind of news. It is news. Um, Steam has decided to do something funky with their release dates. So uh, they apparently changed their algorithm during the tail end of last year. And it took effect at the beginning of this year. And it moved all of the release dates that were cute uh, like there's some that was like you know when the the green alien says it's coming it'll come kind of thing um, or anything that had a, a non-specific date. so like if it said February if it was coming February 2023, uh, they changed all of those to to be announced or to be determined. So if you see your favorite game, it's on your wish list and your release date suddenly looks funky. That's why um, it doesn't mean like, like if I go to my wish list right now, almost everything that's supposed to be releasing in the next couple of months, it doesn't have a specific date. So it's coming soon. All of them. Um, hmm. And so that really is it's a, a thing that happened. Like scars above. Okay, so scars above, I know exactly when it's releasing. It's releasing February twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, but it now says on uh, the the menu. If you look at your wish list, it says coming soon. So um, there's been a lot of confusion around that because uh, the one thing that a lot of us have been looking forward to is Hollow Knight Silk Song, um, and we're all going to be dead and buried with it because we're never going to get the game. Um, But it had, it had one point said TBD and it has now changed to spelled out to be announced. And because of that, it made news that people were curious to see if that meant something, you know, reading into it because we want the game so bad. Um, But it turns out it's just a strange algorithm thing that, um, steam decided to do it does look like some of them have gone back to normal again thankfully um i am seeing some let's see march 2023 for freeborn so i am seeing some of those have been fixed but um yeah don't panic (laughs) if it says just coming soon it's just something that steam's done so
0: okay cool uh i would say too i want to just throw a quick shout out uh to our friends over at ggdreamcast.com. They just released a cool uh, Shinmu capsule toy-inspired mug uh, that I, I ordered this past week, and it is absolutely adorable. Uh, very, very cool. And so if you're a fan of Shinmu, if you're a fan of capsules, if you're a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog capsules, you'll definitely want to check this out. Uh, in addition to mugs, they also are offering some s- cool stickers, and I just think it's pretty adorable. Uh, so go check it out. I will drop a link uh, in the uh, the show notes. But yeah, if you go to ggdreamcast.com and then jump over to their shop, you'll see it there. But in addition to that, uh, just lots of cool uh, articles and, and other things that uh, James is doing over over there on GG Dreamcast. I, I've been watching some of his uh, Skies of Arcadia playthroughs he's been doing lately. And he just does a, such a cool job at really showcasing uh, the Dreamcast in a in a artistic style and it's super cool. So definitely check out what he's doing over there because it's some some really cool stuff. And uh, beyond that, uh, go and check out our patreon uh, to subscribe to Megavisions. We offer both the physical print and the digital version. Uh, and you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash megavisions. One cool thing is if you subscribe at the physical tier, you automatically get the digital version for free. It's just thrown in. So it's probably not something we we probably advertise or, or talk about enough, but it's just one of those things that we're not trying to nickel and dime dime people. So if they're supporting us at the physical print level, we're just going to throw it uh, in the digital version for free. So once again, check us out. Patreon, it's www.patreon.com slash megavisions and subscribe today. Issue three is going to be out soon, I promise. And with that, we're going to be done this week. I'm excited for next week, man. We got some more paranormal talk going. I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. Interview is going to be so much fun. So with that said, we're going to be out of here. We hope you all have a, a fun and spooky weekend lots of paranormal stuff with that we're out of here see you next time folks bye